Warning, the following podcast is a shit show, and the individuals you are about to meet are idiots. Their opinions, anecdotes, and advice contain zero nutritional value. This is the critical human condition and all of its strangeness. This is life, according to an idiot. And a one, and a two, and a one, two. Hello. Hello. I'm Jeremy. My name is Mo. And you have found us in the middle of a brand new minisode. <gasps> Look at that. New minisode and new location. So if, you, if something sounds different to you, it could be because we are in a different basement. Wow. We were originally in your parents' basement, and now we have moved on to my residence basement. That's right. You can my just house. say res- You can just say, yeah. yeah. My house. Welcome to my, my house. house. Baby, uh, take you. Uh, Clothes off? What's it? What is it? I don't know. We don't have to go or something. Anyways, <laughs> cutting that out. Yeah, so we are in Mo's basement right now. You might notice a little bit more echo. Maybe not. It doesn't matter. That's just that's just the environment, baby. That's just what we're working with. It's, it's like you're here with us, you know, but you're not. And that's a shame because we would love to have you in our basement. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so it is Pride Month currently while we are recording this and hopefully while we are releasing this. Yeah. And as a queer person myself, I tend to really enjoy the month of June. As a straight white man, I try to be as quiet as possible in June. <laughs> well, that's what you should do. <laughs> Always. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I am oppressed. I am an oppressed white man. And I, I'm in need. Someone call the police. I am being oppressed. Oh, God. Okay. So, for a mini-sode, actually, this was Jeremy's idea, which I think was very thoughtful and sweet and cute hey. of him. Um, and I wanted to give him a nice little pat on the head, uh, is doing a Pride-themed episode. So... I took the reins on this, and so what I would like to talk about is how the mafia is tied to the gay bars what in the, the 60s. Okay, awesome. I yeah. was not expecting this. I wasn't sure what they are going to talk about, and now I know. Because I originally wanted to talk about a few like LGBTQ plus icons like Alan Turing and their stories, but as I was reading them, they were very depressing. And just kind of made me really sad. And I decided I didn't really want to talk about that because we just had uh, the public executions episode. Yeah, I I mean, most of the time I feel like our episodes are very lighthearted. We do have like a couple that tend to be a little bit darker than others. And with the theme of pride, I didn't really want a dark episode. While those stories are still important, this is an entertainment podcast. That probably, I'm assuming, went into your reasoning as well. Not to say like, let's never hear a depressing story. Yeah. But let's talk about weird shit, okay, when we're here. All right. yeah. I'm depressed 99% of the time. I would <laughs> yeah. like to not still be depressed right. uh, while making jokes about uh, people who got beheaded. Well, I, I love making jokes about people who got beheaded. Anyways, let's get into this, huh? Yeah. Gay rights and the mafia. How are the two tied? Let me tell you, it all started in New York City. New York, hey, New York. In. Get ready for some offensive Italian accents. <laughs> that was like not even coffee. Coffee. Uh, God, I hate it already. New York City in the 1960s was very homophobic, like most of the United States. So it was actually illegal to be homosexual in 49 states. Illinois repealed it in 1961, but for the other states, it was illegal to be homosexual in the 50s and 60s and you know, so on and so forth. Punishments varied from heavy fines to imprisonment. Mm -hmm. And generally, the kind of attitude towards queer people uh, was like discrimination, harassment, 
violence. Um, it was considered a form of sodomy and you yeah. were kind of like lumped in with pedophiles. Mm -hmm. So if people knew that you were gay or, you know, saw you holding hands with someone of the same sex, they could throw you in prison. You would generally be fired from your job. You'd be publicly like exiled and shamed and to totally back then huge deal socially you would not be the same person like no one would talk to you anymore and this was like 60 years ago which is kind of crazy yeah to not think about. super long ago and also I mean, to be honest i mean there's still parts it, it varies so widely but there's parts of the country just certain families or whatever it could still be the norm to socially uh, exile somebody for coming out for sure as uh, as just not straight definitely in other countries you know mm -hmm. where you can be killed for being gay still very serious issue i mean luckily we have progressed quite a bit and a large part of that is thanks to what i'm going to talk about oh. so gay bars became havens in new york city in the 60s because they allowed for gay people to be gay and dancing with someone of the same sex was a big thing uh, the police really fucking hated like significantly and i was wondering how they were policing this how do you make that something that you can police are they having cops go undercover and like try to do what they think is attractive to gay people <laughs> look at me i'm i can't throw a baseball <laughs> some very outdated 1960s stereotype you sucked my dick now i have to arrest you <laughs> but i'm also in love with you so this is confusing <laughs> So it was basically like kissing, holding hands, dancing together were all seen as like homosexual acts and you would be uh, arrested for that. So gay bars were very far and few between because uh, police would do a lot of raids on them yeah. to find, you know, homosexuals because it was seen as disorderly under the liquor laws. What? Yeah. So the NYPD would regularly raid bars that were thought to cater to gay patrons because it was actually illegal to serve gay people alcohol. Ah, uh, yes. Because they were seen as disorderly. And if they caught people serving gay people alcohol, they would close the clubs down altogether. And, you know, you would be punished. So it took bravery to run a bar, a gay bar back then. Yeah. Because you, know? you could just lose your livelihood as the bar owner. Exactly. So during the prohibition, mobs controlled most of the night scenes. That's nothing really new. The Genovese family was one of the five families that controlled the like organized crime in New York City during that time period. And they generally reigned over like the west side of the bar scene. And that's where the LGBTQ community was kind of centered around. So a member of the family named Fat Tony, Hell which yeah. is the most gangster mafia boss name that you could possibly have. Yeah. Um, There's I, a character in The Simpsons who's like a stereotype of a mob boss, and his name is Fat Tony. That's probably what so, it's from. Yeah, they probably were inspired by that. Yeah, so that's kind of funny. Uh, so Fat Tony bought the Stonewall Inn in 1966 and decided to turn it into a gay bar and nightclub. So he actually paid the police department $1,200 a week so that Whoa. they could ignore the club and, you know, let them be gay. And this was like the only club that allowed gay people to actually dance with one another and actually feel welcome. So this was like a hopping fucking spot it's probably why he was able to afford to pay them that much money a week he was probably making a lot of money he was making so much money so the police would still raid regularly but they would warn the establishments first so like the owners would change the lights like it would be like blue and they would change it to white to like let the patrons know that the police were coming so oh, they could okay. stop dancing you know sexually bumping rumps on each other oh boy and stow the alcohol away 
um, so that they wouldn't be arrested when the police came. Generally, they would arrest men in drag or women. I thought this was really interesting. They would arrest women for wearing less than three pieces of traditional female clothing. So if a woman like wasn't wearing a dress or things like that, then they would be arrested. Like if they decided to wear a pantsuit, like, mm. you know, things like that. So if they're wearing more or less than three, what did you say? They would have to wear at least three pieces of traditional feminine clothing. Okay. But if you're wearing a dress, that limits you. You know, I think they're talking more of butch women, right? Like women okay. who like to wear suits or wear pants because like women wearing pants weren't very common. No, right. During this time either. That was a whole revolution on its own. Women being normalized and wearing pants because that was like strictly a man thing. Yeah. That was only for men. Only men could have two visibly apparent legs. Right. They wanted you to just be, they wanted women to look like a snake with feet at the bottom. Yeah, easy access. Easy access. Disgusting, but true. Yep. Mm hmm. So they would go as far as to send officers into bathrooms to verify people's gender, <laughs> which is kind of wild. That's, that's, uh, yeah, that's gross. Pretty gross. Pretty gross stuff. Hey, I'm just a regular, not police officer. Mind if I check out your penis and or vagina? Right. <laughs> just like walking around. <laughs> Don't look at me. Just a regular patron. Right. Is this a real dick? I think I got to suck it to make <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm going to have to kiss you on the lips to make sure that you're really a man. I'm right. sorry. <laughs> sorry. Are these real breasts? Let me uh, honk them real Let quick. Let me honk them. That probably did happen with fucking male police officers. Right. Um, they said it was like mostly female officers, but like. Oh. Uh, I don't know how much I believe that totally. Okay, yeah. So I didn't even know there were female police officers at that point. I wouldn't imagine there'd be that many. Right? Did they wear dresses? Probably not. I don't. Even, I wouldn't. Can't even imagine what like a female police uniform would look like. Probably normal, but maybe embarrassing. Yeah, I feel like they probably wore skirts, like pencil skirts. That's what my mind goes to. But like, yeah. how would that function? Easy access, baby. Easy woo. access. Woo woo. So. You probably heard of Stonewall, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, Stonewall Jackson, the prolific Civil War general. I love that. Is that actually a guy? <laughs> it is, but not, uh, yeah. I was I being facetious, but I yes. feel like only the dads that wa listen to this podcast is going to oh, yeah. understand that reference mm -hmm. and will joke, like, Some laugh guy at it. Terry is be like, I fucking, I'm a Civil War enthusiast. Thank you, Jeremy. Right. I have read 50 books yeah. on the Civil War. They need to be represented as well. Just as much as we have a Pride Month, we need a, a dad that likes the Civil War Month. Why is that such a dad thing, though? Like, I feel like universally dads just fucking love wars. And why? I think there's a thirst for blood no matter what century you live in. Mm. Guys in general, like, you know, when you're young, you're either like, you know, fighting, like wrestling with your buddies. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> Maybe in the Stonewall in your Yeah, right. Um, no, but uh, I know history is cool. Okay, so you're definitely going to be one of the dads oh, that reads the history. 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah, gross. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know what kind of adult I'm going to be when I when I reach that point. <laughs> yeah, well, you're already an adult, so um, yeah. <laughs> you are the am adult I, you're going to be. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like, I always catch myself, like, when I grow up, oh, I'm 25 years old. I am already uh, <laughs> nearly 25 years old. When will that happen? Yeah, I know. I don't, I don't know when you'll feel ready. Anyways, so the Stonewall Inn, as I mentioned earlier, that Fat Tony bought, was known for being incredibly dirty and dangerous. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, because it was basically the only gay bar. So they got to get away with that, right? Because that was the only place where you could be yourself. You're going to take what you can get, essentially. And like the yeah. mafia knew that, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. They're like, well, they'll take anything. Exactly. So they had no running water. 
The glasses were cleaned by being dunk in dirty water. The toilets regularly overflowed, and there was no fire or emergency exit. My goodness. It was a death trap, basically. And it was actually uh, someone coined them as a huge source for a hepatitis outbreak because they just dipped dirty glasses and oh my god you know a tub of dirty water to clean yeah. it well, the alcohol is going to do most of the cleaning for you you know mm-hmm. yeah, if i put whiskey in here it'll be clean despite like all the shortcomings it was still like a central point for the community to escape yeah. it was the only place gay people could openly dance together drag queens were welcome and homeless youths could be off the streets because if you you know were found out to be gay when you were young you were typically right. kicked out of your house which still happens today but it was a lot more widespread, I think, during that time. So the bar operated as a bottle bar to get past the anti-LGBTQ laws because you weren't allowed to serve alcohol to gay people, mm-hmm. which basically is a private club where members brought their own alcohol. It's the same as bottle service. So it's less that you're bringing your own drink, but that you have to buy a whole bottle. Interesting. It was supposed to be like this exclusive, like high-end type thing in New York City at the time. And it was like very laughable that this club was trying to pass off as a bottle bar because they were so disgusting. And they made patrons sign a membership book when they entered to like make it seem like it was more prestigious. Okay, yeah. But basically uh, everyone just used aliases. Yeah, because no one's going to fucking put your name. Yeah, I have a job and a house and probably a wife somewhere. Right. Hey, Jeremy. As you know, it is Pride Month and something to be very prideful of this month is your balls. My balls? Yes, your balls, Jeremy. And luckily, we have a great sponsor to help you with that. This episode of According to an Idiot is sponsored by Manscaped. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. For countless men, grooming can be a confusing and even painful chore. And if you're anything like me, you've had so many close calls shaving with bad razors that it's a miracle you aren't currently hitting the high notes in a ballless barbershop quartet. Don't let a misguided razor threaten your family bloodline. It's time to start grooming with confidence. Manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. They sent me my own mower to try, and I give you my undying guarantee that this is the cleanest and easiest shave my body has ever experienced. Join over 2 million people worldwide who trust Manscaped. With this exclusive offer for you, You get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code IDIOT at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code IDIOT. IDIOT. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Thanks, Manscaped. So, to get into the actual riots, which was at its core a resistance against police harassment and discrimination laws and violence towards the LGBTQ community, but it also was resistance against the mob's exploitation of the gay community, which people don't really talk about because they had this bar or whatever and they like really catered it towards them but they knew that they couldn't go anywhere else Mm -hmm. so put them in equal danger in a sense yeah and they also would like water down the alcohol and blackmail wealthier patrons so like higher profile Mm -hmm. they would threaten to out them to the community and like their work and everything unless they paid them a fee it's a win-win for the mafia really because you're probably making back so much money Mm because you're upcharging everything and also you get to have valuable targets like people of high what would you call that profile high status and you can get money out of them or get get whatever out of them you know 
now. Yeah. So fuck, fuck the mafia. I'm going to say it. A very unpopular opinion, but <laughs> fuck organized crime. I'm going to say it. Right. That ended up being like the most profitable aspect of it for them was the blackmailing. I bet. Kind of interesting, uh, I thought. So the actual riots began in June of 1969, which is fucking amazing that it was 1969 because ha ha. <laughs> ha ha. Because <laughs> of the dual fellatio. Because the dual fellatio. Dual fellatio is pretty cool. Right. Common lesbian act. I'm sure a common straight act as well, but I don't care about them. It was common for the lesbians. Yeah, because uh, you got to find something to do, and you found that. Boom. That's the, that's the move right there. That's the move. 69. And so in June of 69, a raid of the Stonewall Inn occurred where the police violently hauled employees and patrons out of the bar. Uh, So traditionally, like I said earlier, they were warned beforehand so that they could kind of prepare. Uh, And this time they weren't. And they were actually raided like a couple days earlier. So this really was like a huge fuck you uh, to the bar and like everyone that was in it. At one point, an officer hit a lesbian over the head when forcing them into the police van. And she shouted basically to the crowd to act. And they started throwing like pennies and bottles, stones, and just like anything they could get their hands on at the police officers for being so violent to everyone. Yeah. And within minutes, a full riot erupted with hundreds of people. So (laughs) it's not funny, but kind of funny. The police and a few prisoners uh, ended up barricading themselves in the bar, which the mafia attempted to set on fire. Oh my God. Yeah. We don't even need this shithole. Right. They're like, fuck fuck them. Fuck Fuck the police. <laughs> I imagine that's how he's like, fuck the police. Yeah. I, is that how a Brooklyn accent sounds? I mean, um, You just said that in a deeper voice. Fuck I don't, the police. Fuck the police. No. That's just if I was Forrest Gump. That fuck the voice. police. <laughs> <laughs> fuck the police. As they're throwing a Molotov cocktail. The fire department ended up handling it, so... You know, everyone was fine. Thank you, fire department. Thank you, fire department. No thank you to the police department. Yeah, fuck you. One of them is nice. The other one's not. (laughs) So it ended up leading to six full days of protests. Wow. The aftermath of the Stonewall riots, um, obviously a lot of attention was brought to LGBTQ plus rights and the decriminalization of LGBTQ people. It wasn't illegal for them to get alcohol anymore, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that. And a lot of organizations sprung up from that as well, like the Gay Liberation Front, the Human Rights Campaign, which are huge even now for LGBTQ advocacy and like education. And the one year anniversary of the riots, thousands of people marched the streets from Stonewall to Central Park, which ended up being the first gay pride parade. Awesome. So we've been having gay pride ever since 1970. So this year it was the 51st uh, year anniversary. In 2016, I thought this was like a cute little fun fact. Obama designated the site, which is Stonewall, Christopher Park, and like the surrounding streets, to be a national monument for its contribution to gay rights. Yeah. I mean, that that was the catalyst for a lot of change. Mm -hmm. Quite the national monument. That's super cool. I had no idea that the mob was... See, it's what throws you off is part of you is like, thank you, the mob. Right. And then also you're like, fuck you, the mob. A lot of cases with the mafia, organized crime in general, there are areas where you're like, oh, they're kind of doing something progressive or cool or nice for the community. Because in some cases they do. They fund the community or whatever. And in this case, it's like, awesome, the mob. Like, yeah, they're criminals. They're, they're, they're also kind of outliers of society. Mm-hmm. And they're doing this nice thing. And then you realize, oh, wait, no, it's still criminals. It's still, quote, unquote, bad guys that are yeah. trying to exploit the system. And this time they're trying to exploit people that were already being 
oppressed or taken advantage of or, you know, thrown out, essentially. Mm-hmm. Police brutality is also another ugly side of this. Luckily, I just thank my stars and garters that this would never happen again because we have such proper regulation for police procedures and behaviors. And so thank God there's no more <laughs> police brutality in the world. Right, you know? Never again will a gay person get hit over the head too hard by a police officer. That just couldn't happen. No. I, so we've come I a long way in that a, regard. a nice, safe, progressive society now where yes. everyone is equal and we never have to face discrimination again. Yeah, and the police are our friends. <laughs> <laughs> the one police officer listening to this is like, hey. Hey, man. Hey, I know. I know we're not good. Get back to talking about the Civil War, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like not a lot of people really know LGBTQ plus history. And like even as a queer person myself, that's something that I need to educate myself on more because you don't fully realize how difficult it was, I think. If you think back to you know 100 years ago yeah of course like that was illegal everyone hated it but like this was not that long ago this was the same time the beatles were making music and people still love the beatles music culture wasn't totally useless from then now like we still value a lot of that stuff so when people say that was a long time ago things are different now like yes but also no you can't throw it under the rug this is my grandparents yeah they were alive during this time period they weren't homosexual unfortunately so <laughs> they didn't have to like really <laughs> yeah, face right. it themselves right um and but- also too like people probably didn't honestly when you think about it especially in this time the 60s and backwards and also a little bit forwards as well whatever um back in the day i'll just say when something was out of sight it truly was out of mind mm-hmm. and so i'm sure the majority of this of the population didn't even take thought in like gay people are people as well they're not just caricatures but still i think when people saw people that looked like them getting hurt and brutalized and also shunned, it opens your heart a little bit to be like, okay, just because it's not in front of me, it still exists and it's still a problem. And it's kind of wild to think about too, like even the laws, like you're not allowed to hold hands in public, kiss in public, because I think there still is such a mentality of, oh, I don't care if you're gay, just don't do it in front of me. Which like is just so, don't do like that what? in public. Yeah. Like, like there's still that tie passed and down. And people think it's that's progressive. People think I'm pretty open because you can do it. I just don't want to see it. It's like, are your eyes and brain that fragile? Right. What? Like, stop. Who cares? Just you're so close to almost being there. Yeah. You know I mean, just so go close. the full length and yeah. just truly don't care by being not in the way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it's also kind of nice to think about how far we progressed in that time period. You know, like that wasn't that long ago. And I think now being gay is celebrated in a lot of ways. Like it's still discriminatory and like I get hate for being gay, but not in the same way that like no one's going to serve me alcohol at a bar. Right. I mean, just in 2020, an openly gay man ran for president and got pretty far. Pete Buttigieg. 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 Pete Buttigieg. Pete I mean, I don't, I don't even like Pete Buttigieg. This is not like a fuck yeah, Pete Buttigieg, because I think he's just a neoliberal. I feel like that's still um, that not I don't care a about. correct yeah. pronunciation. Buttigieg. Um, buddy Goo Goo. Uh, yeah. So, but I'm just saying, like, still, somebody, you can be openly gay and fucking run for the highest office in the country. Right. And people, and it's not even the biggest part of the conversation. Right. That's cool. That's progress. Yeah. You know, it's still a long way to go, but like, that's cool, man. I can wear pants. You're encouraged to wear pants. Most women I know, the majority of their outfits have pants. Right. It's weird. Whenever my girlfriend wears a dress, I'm like, are we going somewhere? Mm -hmm. Is there a field of flowers to run through? Why are you wearing a dress? (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of nice seeing now, even just like among my friends and peers, acceptance of trans people 
and like yeah. non-binary and like questioning gender identity where I feel like even 10 years ago, that was weird. And I think a lot of it too is people just not really being exposed to it and not understanding because like 100%. I didn't I didn't fully understand what it meant to be trans or non-binary or anything like that. Like I wasn't against it, but I didn't really understand it. And so since I didn't understand it, it kind of like made me feel a little bit uneasy in a way. Totally. Yeah. Um, I would recognize that 10 years ago, maybe like I did look at them a little bit differently, not in the way that yeah. I was discriminatory towards them, but they were other to me in a way. Me personally, in a selfish way, I didn't truly start to care until like after you came out. Like I had a really, really, really good friend who I now, I now wanted to better understand. Right. And also you taught me things along the way. Mm-hmm. And so I think for a lot of people, like it does help to... Uh, to know somebody who is going through it. Like personal exposure to yeah, it. Yeah, personal exposure to open your heart to it a little bit. Because I think we do look at us versus other people. Like we tend to yeah. lump things into categories. And I think it's okay to recognize that about yourself. Like it's okay to have those initial feelings. But you also should explore that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And maybe challenge yourself to become more aware and educate yourself and talk to people about their experiences. Because we're all just human beings. And we're all just trying to live this life and you know, love one another. And we're really not all that different. Totally. I deserve to have alcohol just like anybody else. I deserve to wear fucking pants. And and not catch hepatitis. And not catch hepatitis. And also I want to fucking mack on a lady (laughs) on the street and not be weirded out by that because people are fucking staring at me. I want to get my dick sucked by a cop in a bathroom and not end up in jail. (laughs) He just happens to be a cop. No, no. Anyways, I hope this episode was a bit interesting towards you, uh, towards you. I hope this episode was interesting for you and maybe you did a little bit of learning something. I know it's a bit different than our typical type of story, but I thought it was interesting to tie in the mafia and gay people. Yeah, very interesting. And a joyous Pride Month to uh, everybody out there and a joyous Pride Month specifically to you, young Mo. Thank you all for listening. I love you very much. And I hope that you have a wonderful and safe week. And I will see you in time. Arr.